Hey there, everybody. Before we get into the episode, I just wanted to go ahead and offer the usual disclaimer. As the name would suggest, I'm just an average guy. I'm not a theologian, and I have no Bible degrees of any sort. The topics covered in this podcast are the results of my own study and understanding, and any and all opinions expressed are just that, my own opinions. I encourage everyone listening to treat this not as an end-all be-all for your understanding, but as a jumping-in point for your own study. I hope that the verses and perspectives provided inspire you to cultivate further growth in your spiritual walk. Now with all that out of the way, let's get into the episode. What is up everybody? Welcome back to an average account of exceptional things. My name is Chandler and I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. Before we get into the episode, there will be a little bit of housekeeping, and the housekeeping for this week is that there is no housekeeping. Isn't that wonderful? Today we're going to be jumping right into some discussion about fasting. I'm not going to waste any time or mince words. Let's get right to it. What is fasting? Now, Merriam-Webster defines fasting as abstaining from food. And I think for the purpose of our discussion today, it's going to be helpful to broaden that just a little bit. So I'm going to say to abstain from something that could be food, that could be a particular habit or activity. You get the idea. One example of a less conventional target of fasting would be something like a social media fast. This has become more popular in recent times for a lot of young people and a lot of young Christians. I personally know many people who have given up social media during the season of Lent. And so that's going to go ahead and kind of transition us into our first discussion question today as we start to address the importance of and the implications of fasting for a Christian. What types of things should we fast from? That's our first question. And to answer this, I think that we need to highlight something that's very important about fasting. Fasting is a finite thing. And what I mean by that is fasting has an ending condition. Now, if that's still not making a lot of sense, let me elaborate on that. You might fast for a set amount of time. That's a really popular one with Lent being a great example. Or perhaps you choose to fast for a shorter period, like a couple of days. Or you might fast for a certain thing. A good example of this would be, particularly during serious circumstances, you might fast until a certain situation is improved. But either way, you can see that there is a certain intentionality behind fasting. And there is a limit to the length of a fast. A fast has an ending point. You don't fast forever. There is some condition to end your fast, whether that's time or something else. And so I think that's important, and that's going to come up a little bit later. But getting back to this idea of fasting being a very intentional thing, right? We fast for a reason. Here's a great example of that biblically in Ezra chapter 8, verses 21 through 23. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before God, to seek from him a safe journey for ourselves our children, and all our goods. For I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on our way, 
since we had told the king, The hand of our God is for good on all those who seek him, and the power of his wrath is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and implored our God for this, and he listened to our entreaty. So to explain what's going on here, Ezra and his party are about to embark on a journey. I'm sure that you could all put that together. It's pretty straightforward in the beginning. And this is a journey on which they're very aware that they're likely to be met with dangers and with hardship. And there was a very real risk of encountering robbers or others that might mean them ill will, whatever that looked like. So previously in this book, Ezra had expressed to the king that he was very confident in God's ability to watch over and protect his group. Thumbs up, Ezra. God is very able to watch over and protect you. And so not wanting to undermine his previous words, Ezra does not take an escort. And instead of that, he spends time in prayer and fasting before they embark on this expedition. And they put their faith fully in the Lord, and he delivers them safely through their journey. So that's just one example very clearly outlining an example of how it is important to be intentional when you fast. But circling back around to our first discussion question, what types of things do we fast from? Well, in defining fasting, you may recall that I listed a few examples. And there are a lot of things that we could fast from, but instead, I think that it's more important to talk about the types of things that we don't fast from. And here it is, the number one category of things that we don't fast from. We don't fast from sinful things. Going back to that impermanent characteristic of a fast, see, it did come back. You may have thought when I first introduced that idea that I was crazy going out in left field, and you would be half right, I am probably a little crazy, but it was for a point, and it was for a reason. When we fast, there is an intention to return to the thing that we're fasting from. So if you fast for 24 hours, as an example, at the end of that period, you would eat again, or you would go back to that thing that you fasted from. And for that reason, we should not fast from sinful things. Because when we cut out something sinful from our lives, we should not intend to reintroduce it later. Hopefully that makes some sense. I think that that's about the best way to explain why you wouldn't want to be fasting from sinful things. Now, a little caveat here. I'm not against taking a battle against sin one day at a time. That is very important. And recently I started reading a book called Atomic Habits. If you're looking for a good book on habits, I don't know, maybe read it. I'm only about 25 pages in. But the author has already brought up a point that reaching goals happens in the little things. It's the little details, the little decisions that accumulate over time to reach your goals, to achieve these things that you want to achieve. And so there's something to be said for the power of taking a battle one step at a time. The important thing to remember here is that the goal is to snowball that first step and carry that momentum forward, leaving that sin behind you for good. Think of it this way. What are we called to do in response to sin? We are called to repent from sin. Well, repentance... It's kind of like reorientation. Think of physically turning your body away from something to no longer face it. You want to reorient your life away from sin. 
In comparison, fasting is more like setting something aside rather than turning away from it. So the relevance to our initial discussion question is this. If we don't fast from things that are inherently sinful, then we do fast from things that aren't inherently sinful. And while we can pervert sustenance, being a good example, into something sinful, and this would be called gluttony, eating food is essential to giving our body the calories and nutrition that we need to live. So eating is not an inherently sinful thing. We don't turn away from eating food when we fast. We simply set aside that thing temporarily. Similarly, you wouldn't want to just set aside something like stealing or sexual immorality. We are called to turn away from those things. So I think that's a good case for why you wouldn't want to fast from something that is sinful, but instead you want to have the proper response to each of those cases. Setting aside temporarily something that is good and right for a fast, and then turning away from something that is inherently sinful in your life. And that's going to bring us into our next discussion question, which is, how should we fast? So we've established the types of things that you would and wouldn't fast from, on a broad scale at least, and now we're going to get into what that fasting looks like. Now we've already established that you should fast with intentionality. And aside from that, I think that the number one most important thing to remember when fasting is that we should fast in humility. I have some scripture to back this up. It's going to come out of Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So these are instructions from Jesus during the Sermon on the Mount. Many will note here that Jesus says, when you fast, rather than if you fast, which shows that fasting is expected, and I think that's a good point. But what I really want to focus on here is the biggest point that Jesus is illustrating, which is fast in humility. There should be no virtue signaling in your fast. If you don't know what virtue signaling is or you're not familiar with the term, a great example of this is something that was very popular on social media a while back. It's like the people that would film themselves giving Big Macs to the homeless. There's nothing wrong with feeding the hungry. And in fact, I'm all for that. But don't do it to glorify yourself. When you film yourself doing that, when you post that on social media, the motivation is clear. It's not an act that you're doing to help those in need. It's something you're doing so that everyone can see how good and how great you are. And that's not the point. Similarly, when we fast, we want to fast in humility. It's not about showing everyone else what a great and faithful Christian you are when you fast. It is about glorifying God, and it is about using that fast to draw closer to Him. And this actually brings us very nicely into the next question, 
which is why should we fast? Now, I think this is a really great one, and of course I think that because I wrote it. But all joking aside, fasting is like a tool in the Christian toolbox. I think I just used that term a moment ago, actually, to use that as a tool to draw closer to God. And don't be afraid of fasting just because it's uncomfortable. Fasting exercises your self-denial muscles. Now, that's a big point that I want to emphasize. Because just like any other habit that you want to implement into your life, you have to work and strengthen those self-denial muscles. And I'm calling them self-denial muscles because it has a very clear comparison to a physical muscle. If you don't work out, if you don't take measures to strengthen your body, then you can't expect it to get any stronger. In fact, it will likely get weaker if you do nothing. But why is it important to strengthen those muscles? It's to prepare for battle. Remember, we fast for purpose. And a great example of this is when we see Jesus fasting before being tempted. This scripture is going to come out of Luke chapter 4. I'm just going to read verses 1 and 2. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. Not a lot to unpack for those couple of verses. I think it's very straightforward. It says exactly what it says. There's no secret meaning there. I would encourage anyone who hasn't read Luke chapter 4 to go give it a quick read. It's a truly wonderful group of verses that reminds us that we have a Savior who understands and who has been tempted exactly as we are. But getting back to the topic here, you know, we live in a culture that promotes what feels good. It's very much a culture of do what makes you happy. And you should avoid being uncomfortable at all costs. Being uncomfortable is something that you want to steer clear of as much as possible. And the point that accompanies this is that denying ourselves is not natural. At least not in today's world. And so strengthening yourself now and teaching yourself to rely on God's provision and not the desires of the flesh will help prepare you for the battles to come. And trust me, there will be battles to come. And so in the same way as a physical muscle, it's very important for us to prepare and be ready when the time comes that we are tempted and we are called to deny ourselves in pursuit of Christ. Now another wonderful reason that we should be fasting is that fasting is also useful in helping us focus on seeking God's help or guidance in a situation. Just like I mentioned in the last episode, we live in a busy, fast-paced world. And fasting is a way to be intentional in seeking God and cultivating that closer relationship with Him. Not only does fasting help place our walk with God at the forefront of our thoughts, because let's face it, often we can get swept up in other things, in the here and now, in the busy hustle and bustle of life. So not only does fasting help with that, it also opens up time in the day that we now have free to devote to things like prayer, 
or service or studying the word. And this bleeds into our next question, which is, what are you filling that vacuum with? When you fast from something, when you fast from food, when you fast from social media, there's a vacuum there where something was and now is not. And what are you filling that with? There's a reason that fasting and prayer are so often mentioned alongside one another. I think it's pretty clear to see that fasting and prayer make a great pairing. If you skip lunch and instead you use that time to go shopping, that's not fasting. It's fasting in the sense that you didn't eat lunch, but in a spiritual sense, you're not fasting. Remember, fasting is intentional. It is also important to take that thing that you're fasting from and replace it with a spiritual discipline. Here are a couple examples of that. During those times that you would have spent eating meals, take that time to dive into God's Word. Open up the Bible. Read some scripture. Or, maybe you're fasting to focus more on prayer for a particular thing. When you feel hungry or your stomach growls a little bit, let that be a reminder of what you're fasting for. And take a moment to pray about that thing. Could be someone's salvation, health, a personal battle you're fighting, anything. Whatever that thing is that you're praying about, that you're fasting to focus on the prayer for, let that hunger, in the case of a fast from food, let that hunger remind you to take time to pray. And so as we start to wrap up here, I want to just offer some closing thoughts on fasting and the implications that it has for the everyday Christian. Just remember that when we fast, we are not supposed to glorify ourselves. Here's a really funny joke that I found on the internet, and I think that it's at least mildly amusing. Fasting is like Fight Club, and hopefully everyone is very familiar with the first rule of Fight Club, and if you're not, have you made it this long? The first rule of Fight Club, don't talk about Fight Club. And so similarly, the first rule of fasting, don't talk about fasting. Now I'm just joking around a little bit, but in all seriousness, don't be afraid to utilize fasting as that tool to draw closer to God, whether that is in everyday life or during times of particular hardship. And even if you can't do a full fast for medical reasons or other factors, here I'm speaking specifically of a fast from food, fast from something else. Or you could consider a partial fast. The point here is, fasting is something that every person can do in one form or another. And I don't want to leave you with any misconceptions. It isn't a sin for someone to know that you're fasted or that you are fasting, just remember that, as always, this is meant to glorify God, rather than glorifying ourselves. So, definitely don't, like, lie to someone if they notice that you're not eating. It's not wrong for them to know that you're fasting, but remember that the point of the fasting is not for others to know.
And as with a lot of things like this, really at the end of the day, that comes down to a matter of the heart. So hopefully this has shed some light on fasting and given you some inspiration for areas or times during your life that you might want to consider doing a fast of some manner or variety. I think that fasting can be very useful in spite of the fact that it is often overlooked or set aside for modern Christians. So with all that said, this is going to officially conclude Episode 9, Fasting. Like I said at the beginning, I encourage everyone listening to use the topics covered in this episode as a gateway into your own study of God's Word. Hopefully one of the verses mentioned or perspectives offered has inspired you to dig deeper and further your understanding of who God is, and then take that understanding and apply it to your daily walk. With all that said, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of An Average Count of Exceptional Things. And until next time, encourage one another, love your enemies, and count your blessings.